Welcome to the Boardroom Out of Office Podcast. This is Rich Kleiman here with my main man Gianni Harrell as always. And this is podcast number nine, but a different one today. We have no guests today, man. No guests. Gianni, how you feel about no guests? I'm all right today. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the people just got to hear from the host. They got to know what the source is. They got to know what we're really talking about, what we're really about. That's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Or the guest pulled out. That is a fact. That happened. That happened. But it wasn't on purpose. And, you know, we'll use this as an opportunity for you and I to really just introduce ourselves a bit. I don't even know if... I don't know if anyone that's been listening really knows how we got to know each other. And uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the world. I'll tell you one thing that I'm excited about. I listened to KD and Kyrie's interview on KD's first podcast. Incredible. Shout out to KD and Eddie Gonzalez. Incredible. I mean, that's how you come out of the gate for a first pod. That's how you come out of the gate for any show. I mean... Kevin is a natural, man. Yep. I mean, a complete natural. He was so incredible. I was so impressed. You know, we work so closely together, and I've got so close with him and really understand, like, you think you know everybody's, like, strengths and weaknesses when they're, like, family. But, man, I did not see that side or know that side, and he, like, he just knocked it out the park. Eddie was incredible, and Kyrie is just, like, the best – interviewee right is that what it's called yeah what are some highlights from that interview that really resonate with you man it was um well so much first of all just their relationship is so pure um their friendship and they just like they connect on such a deep level about something that they love so much so that's incredible um but listening to them talk about like just coming up and Kevin asking him questions about his relationship with his father and um, just how Kyrie looked at certain players, even like Kevin, as he was coming up. And then the story with him and Kobe was incredible. Uh, There's a move that he did when Kevin was on the Warriors and just hearing them talk about it. I mean, it sounded like scientists, you know, talking like a different language. They're just like such perfectionists I mean such masters of their craft to hear them talk about it was really incredible um I don't know and there's part two coming so I'm excited for that I'm excited for that and man this whole podcast thing has been great I feel like we've really um we've really been fortunate to have some great conversations man we came out the box with Jack Dorsey a lot of these people Jack David Solomon Doc Rivers Jesse Itzler my boy all of them such inspirational people to be, man. Like these are, I've been really lucky to get to know people um, in the world of business and in the world of sports that now I'd be able, that I've been able to call a friend. And with that, you can reach out and ask somebody to come and, you know, and be a guest on your podcast, you know, and this is something that's new to me. This isn't something I do every day or that I've had experience in doing. So to come out and be able to have access to these guys has been a blessing. And they've really been inspirational to me. I hope you've learned a lot because I, I always said that the reason why I wanted you to do this with me was because I felt like as we work together and as you grow in this business as an entrepreneur yourself, you get to get inspired by these guys. You know what I'm saying? Like in your short but very kind of broad work experience so far, who have been some of your kind of role models, man? You worked at Apple Music. Uh, and just, I know you've been around this business. Well, definitely first and foremost, 
starts with my parents, mom and dad, you know, that great foundation of getting to it. Nothing's going to come to you yourself. Got to go after it. Got to achieve it. Nothing's handed to you. Um, shout out to Larry Jackson. Gave me my first job over at Apple. Bozema St. John gave me my first internship over at Apple. Um, Rich Kleiman, baby, brought me over to 35 Ventures about a year ago. KD as well. I mean, like, pretty much everybody that I've worked with so far has led me to a new path or showed me a new way of thinking or a new approach towards business. And I just take away so much from these four people that I've named. But enough about me. Who's inspired you? I mean, your career path is a little bit more longer and more uh, prestigious, or I don't even know what type of term I'm trying to say. It's just like fantastic. So I just want to get into who's inspired you over the years. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's amazing that you said your parents and my parents, um, they inspired me, but I wouldn't say that they inspired my business trajectory or inspired my, um, my kind of, uh, desire to be regarded in, in the workforce or in the work world. I don't even know what the workforce is, but work world. Um, but you know, I think it was the people that with every new experience that I tried and I always had, you know, such a diverse like group of, of, um, of jobs, of, of things that I did, of experiences I had that every one of those, there was somebody that inspired me that kind of gave me a shot. I, that's to me was my inspiration. Like, um, when I start. I had, when I was in college, I had no real direction whatsoever. So I had an opportunity to be a bookie one night, literally to be a bookie. I was at a bar uh, my freshman year in college. Where'd you at, go to college? I went to BU for a year. I barely got into college, to be honest with you, man. I barely got into college. I had, um, and I don't think people realize that about me because the way I carried myself and the way in which I, um, you know, I got through high school. No one knew my grades. So, uh, but I didn't do, I didn't take school seriously. I took like socializing seriously and being in the gym and being around basketball seriously. So for me, um, I had an opportunity to be a bookie at BU. What, wait, I'm confused. Like, how does that door open? What do you mean? Like you have an opportunity to be a bookie? Like somebody just came to you and was like, can you help me with I don't really know what a bookie does, yeah. to be honest. Well, no, there's no bookie door whatsoever. But <laughs> I'll tell you, I was at a, I was at um, a bar watching the Yankees Mariners 1995 wild card game. I don't think it was or, yeah wild card game, and I was with all Yankee fans, and everyone was trying to put a bet in. And I remember calling my brother, and I was like, "Yo, don't you know a bookie? I want to get like all these older kids. I want to, I want to give them a, a bookie to bet with. He didn't have one, and I, and I was just like, all right, I'm gonna take it." So I just like took all the bets. Next day they paid me and I was like, whoa, I could do this. <laughs> I could watch sports, make some money. I'm hanging in school. But, you know, that clearly <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the path that I was meant to be on or the one that I wanted. So, you know, I did that for a while and it was fun. But I look at it as like part of that that time period where, you know, everybody goes off the rails a bit and goes down certain paths where. You know, if you don't get yourself out of it, it can end bad. If you get yourself out of it, it becomes something that you like carry with you. It's like a, 
a, a patch of honor or some way that you can like an experience. You know, some people go to business school and law school and get degrees. That was my experience. Um, but I went to, I went to, uh, right out of that period, I wanted to be in the restaurant business that didn't work. And then I started working in the entertainment business and honestly, bro, that's when I met your mom and that's how you and I know each other through your mother. Shout out to my mom, Wendy Credo. Hope you're listening. Yep. I hope she's listening. Um, wait, but let's circle back. So at this time where you, you were blessed with this opportunity to be a bookie, (laughs) (laughs) um, is that when you first realized that you're like, hold on, a career in sports is something I'm very passionate about? No, 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 no. I love sports from the time I was like, even can remember existing. I, I remember watching Nick games with my with my parents and learning the um, learning how to read from reading the box scores in the New York Times sports section. I became obsessed with the Knicks obsessed with the Giants, the Mets. So I just loved sports and I wanted to be an athlete. But I, I, I had the wherewithal somewhere in high school to be like, all right, I'm not going to play professional sports. Let me keep playing as long as I can, but let me just be around it. So booking was just because, you know, I was a stupid college kid that got caught up in something that seemed fun and uh, was making me money for a while and it wasn't school. It was, you know, another way to distract myself. So, um but no, you know, I think the rush of the sports industry and the and the um, excitement of the sports industry and that feeling that I felt when I was in Madison Square Garden and I saw people that um, were successful in entertainment or in, in, you know, in music. And I would see them and how they were able to move around the garden. And it was like, well, if I can't play, I want that, right? So even though it wasn't the sports business that I first started doing, it was a music and um it was an e-commerce community website in like the late 90s when it was the dot-com era and a friend of mine that graduated cornell he gave me the opportunity to be a partner and i would bring in connected people and i would bring in uh artists and athletes and people that could help create content you know even back then in 1998 um and i started meeting people and really built a early network for myself in new york city at that time so, I mean, for me, that's like where my first kind of inspirations like came about. Um, it was. <clears throat> so hold on. Walk me through this. So you're about to wrap up BU. You're done with your time there. You are, you've got your bookie side hustle. And then your friend from Cornell's like, yo, come be a partner with me at this dot com where he's like, I need your contacts. I need your network. I need your social skills. I need your help building this brand so what was that like you know your first step at building a brand your first crack at building a brand um at that point i didn't know we were building a brand but what i was doing was building a rolodex like i started meeting people i started going out of my way to meet people in every walk of life whether it was finance and whether it was music sports and you know the the website that i was working for we were music based. So I was meeting a lot of people in the music business. And that is what made me get that same kind of excitement that the, the, the sports world did, but I didn't have a path in the sports world. Now I had one in music. So even though this dot com company went under, 
and you know we blew through all our money we were young kids and even though my partners had went to cornell and they had gotten their degrees i was a bookie right but now i just done that company and i got my degree in my mind and from there i was focused and it took a long time to get it but i was focused on being successful and work being you know a priority for me um and then another friend, you know, early on, it wasn't inspiration as much as another friend of mine asked me if I wanted to help him and work with him on a TV show. And this was sports related. So now, like, you know, my radar went off and I was like, all right, cool. I'm out of this dot com company. I'm 22 years old. I didn't graduate college, but all my friends are 22 and we don't know what we're doing. So they just have a degree. I'm a bookie with a good network. You know what I mean? Yep. And and now he asked me to go help him on this TV show. And it's around athletes and they're going to follow athletes around like behind the, you know, behind the music, like diary of an athlete. But back then that was new. Now it's just reality TV. That was Instagram. This is everything now. Right. But so we were doing this show and we were doing it at this production company, Radical Media. And uh, my friend Jamie Patrickoff had partnership with Radical Media and they were going to make this show the life. And he asked me if I'd come help him because he knew that I was like a sports encyclopedia. However, once I got there, the role that really needed to be filled was a music supervisor and I knew nothing about music. But Jamie believed in me. This guy, John Kamen, who was the CEO and the owner of Radical Media, incredible creative production company, offices around the world, commercials, music videos. I mean, I spent so many years there. Um, but John came in, Jamie, they believed in me and I'm doing the music for a show. I know nothing about the music business. And we had this budget of $250,000. I think it was to do all the music for 32 episodes on ESPN on a show called the life, which sounded like a lot of money to me, G, but we know now from making shows, 32 episodes, $250,000 you have to get stock music. You can't go get music from record labels. I did something that was unique, I think, at the time, was I built this database up of unsigned artists, unsigned producers, bands, and some of those people were artists on Raucous Records, Most Def, Quiley, Farrell Monch. It was Mark Ronson. Fire. It was all this music, these hot young hip-hop producers from the city that were giving me sample free music and I had no money. I said, we had a, here's a thousand dollars, here's $500, here's $1,500 for 32 episodes. And then I could keep whatever we didn't spend at the end. And the music got a lot of credit. And then we did a theme song with Farrell Monch and Styles P. You know where Styles P? You know where he's from? East Coast. Jada Kiss. Oh, the Bronx. Well, from Yonkers, but yes, not the Bronx, but the locks, the locks, the locks. Damn, G, damn. <laughs> Sorry. You just you just teed me up and I just completely it's right. missed. It's all right, it's all right. It's all good. I want to circle back about your music supervision, but I do think it's really important to note two things. One, that you were already in the content space in the 90s, which is super dope. And two, that what what did you learn from that experience when the dot-com website went under? Um, actually, 
there was no lesson like unfor- the failure didn't really connect with me because I was too immature to realize that I'd borrowed someone else's money when they raised the money. So I didn't have that guilt that I probably should have had. Um, but I learned so much and got in so many doors and got access. It just catapulted me into like wanting to have a purpose of being in, in work. But what the show, the life did and that theme song did was I was just asking questions about the music business in real time, which I always talk about. Like you ask a question that you may think is stupid or that everyone knows, but you ask it and it unlocks everything else. Shout out to my boy, Matt Marcus. He had a independent record label, Major League at the time. And his artist actually did the original theme song. And what happened was I would call him and be like, what's ASCAP? What's BMI? Mm-hmm. What's Master Royalties? Then you learn. You learn. And then all of a sudden I started learning the business. And a lot of the artists that were giving us music for the shows realized like how I started you know, connecting the dots and making things happen. And one of them was Mark Ronson. And Mark was at the time the hottest DJ in New York City, DJing for like Biggie Small's birthday party and Tommy Hilfiger fashion shows. And everyone knew who he was. And he asked me to manage him. So I'm staying at Radical Media now because John Kamen, one of my inspirations, allows me to stay there because he just knows that having good young people around you brings opportunity and keeps you in touch and brings style and taste. And that's, and I, I modeled myself after that. Honestly, our relationship is built a lot on what John saw in me and kept me around. Some of the people that worked in the back at Radical Media that he let hang around him, uh, Oscar nominated directors, producers. I was back there, my friend Jamie, Andrew Freed, another big talented TV and film producer, all these people that he kept around that not necessarily were working there. And that was something that I really learned from that you need to keep creative minds around you in this business and young minds around you. And I started managing Mark and then I got more access and got to meet more people and see more of the music business. And I kind of forgot about sports for a bit, not as a fan, but thinking that I would be in that business. So I just was in the music business and managing Mark and managing other DJs. And Mark and I build this studio in Soho and all of a sudden I'm in the music business and I'm in New York city and I'm managing Mark and all these DJs, like I said, and we start managing Wale and we start managing this artist Rhyme Fest and Amy Winehouse is recording out of our office making, out of our studio making a, one of the best albums of all time. And I'm in the music business and I'm missing sports, but I'm in the music business. What year is this? Man, this is in the early 2000s. And, but you know what? In this whole thing of running around the city, and working at Radical Media and managing all these people, I got fortunate enough to meet John Manili, another big influence in my life, who was a manager of Jay-Z at the time. And we met and talked, and I got to meet Jay-Z, and man, that was life-changing. And then we produced, at Radical Media, we produced Fade to Black with Jay-Z. Hold on, hold on. I got to cut you off here, because you are doing so many things, right? You're working with Mark, you're doing music supervision for the show on ESPN, and then you come across John Manili and you're young, you know, you are in your 20s. What do you say to John Manili that like leads you to this relationship? What's the conversation you had? Well, 
at this time, you know, I'm managing one of the biggest DJs in America. I'm managing a bunch of DJs. Um, I'm in the clubs all over the city. I'm a city kid, so like I'm pretty well known and out and about. And I, he wanted to learn from you. No, 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 no. He was in this world too, but I was young, and I was, you know, starting to work in the music business, and I had, you know, a certain. fearlessness that like I would call anyone but I I met John Manili I remember he came to Radical Media and I really kind of froze up in the first meeting and I didn't really make much sense of what I wanted to pitch and I learned a lesson there like you know that overconfidence when you're young is bad because you can sit down and just get like caught off guard and then you don't have anything to really fall back on because you didn't prepare um but I think John saw enough to realize like you know, I'll sit down with him again. I ended up sitting down with him again and brought John Kamen in. And that's the lesson I, you know, I should have had known, but I learned from, which was, you know what, just bringing John in and bringing the boss at Radical in, I didn't have to do the sell at that point. You know, let that was my job at that point was to bring everybody together. So we connected and then I became a producer on Fade to Black. And after that, I, I was like really starting to now I met a whole new world of people and seeing Jay-Z was just like life changing because anything that I thought was cool about every basketball player that I'd ever aspired to be or be around, this guy was like the next level coolest dude I've ever encountered. And now I'm his, that's my man. And I just worked on this film and, you know, and he knows that I have this record company with Mark Ronson, you know, I'm like on the radar. That was like, I had made it even though I really had no money. Wait, that's amazing. So the first time you really met Jay-Z, you were working on the Fade to Black project together. Yeah. That's awesome. Wait, what's that experience like? Wait, hold on. You're working on Fade to Black with Hove. Like, what is he like at that time? Uh, well, you're working with him. So I really want to know, like, what's his leadership style like? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I mean, you just want to work hard for him. And that's like, for me, like the best kind of leader, right? Like you want to work hard. Um you want it to be quality because everything he does is of the highest quality and taste. He really made me pay attention to the details in business and how important that is in terms of um, just like the continuity and how your brand is presented and how you approach partnerships. I mean, so much of you know my business acumen i think is from watching and learning from so much of him and everybody at at rock nation but at that time during fade to black it was just you know like how effortlessly cool he was and then his instincts with the film and just like being able to come in and see an edit and know what changes should be made and you know just getting it Um, but that experience was incredible it's one of the best experiences this whole group at radical media that i worked with was just incredible all the editors and producers it was like it really felt like we were at summer camp like working on this film and then and then the um night of the premiere was puffy's 30th birthday or something and we were like at the premiere and then at the birthday and i was looking at pictures the other day i was fat as hell the suit was nasty i wish i could redo the outfit that night but um it was such an incredible experience and my wife I was 17 years ago, 18 years ago, we were just married. And then I was like, okay, I'm in the music business. You know what I mean? I'm in this world now. I'm a music supervisor. I'm a producer. But the problem there was the drive was more about getting um, more like well-known and not really 
focusing on the work and like keeping going on the work, the work, the work. And I then was on a lot of projects and I was really managing a whole handful of people. And I got the opportunity to go over to Rock Nation and continue to work with Mark Ronson and Wale and all these artists, but now do it under the umbrella of Rock Nation. And Mark was becoming this big mega star and I wasn't really managing him anymore. We just had the record label and it really became about me managing artists and I went to Rock Nation and then for the first five years there, I got to manage uh, Solange. I worked on J. Cole's first album. Wale, like I said, Daniel Merriweather, incredible artist out of Australia. And I'm in the music business and I'm missing the hell out of sports and I want to be in the sports business and I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like I'm fully enmeshed in music and doing what I love and I'm not at my best and I'm working at this incredible company, but I'm not who I am now then. And I wish certain things were different, right? But every young person, and you're going to go through this, guess what? You can't change <laughs> what happened back then, right? So what you have to do is, is when you look back on it, you got to talk about it. And what I realize now is at that moment in my career, I kind of let my foot come off the gas and lost a little bit of confidence because now I was working within an infrastructure. And we always talk to a lot of these like incredible people about being entrepreneurial within an infrastructure. I lost how to do that. So now I'm at this company and I'm managing great talent because I think I'm good at it, but I'm not, I'm not being the same dude that got me in the room with Jay-Z. You know right. what I mean? Yep. You're not being that connectivity booker that got you here so far. Yeah, and I just lost my, like, swag, and I lost my, like, you know, I was, you know, you got to get through those periods because you're also living life and going through things in your life, and you're in your early 30s, and you want such big things, and you're moving in the business, but, you know, you, you, you don't have it all together, so you now have to regroup because what I wanted was not just to, like, be somewhere at a company and fit in. I wanted it all and I wanted to be in the sports world and that's when I like really tried to dive into the sports world and like that's why Jay-Z is such a great leader because he was starting a sports agency and he allowed me the ability to move right over and to like identify like this is someone in my company who I don't have to move over but he wants to be in sports. I know he loves sports. And I'm going to inspire, like, encourage that and let him move over. And I just moved on from managing some of the best musicians in the world. Wait, you know. sorry to cut you off, but Jay already knew you wanted to be in sports? Or were you vocal about it while you were doing your music stuff saying, like, hey, I'm into sports. I heard we're building something in sports. Like, were you vocal at it about the company? And then he put you in that spot or did you put yourself in that spot? No, I, I, I what happened was, is I was really um, friendly with Victor Cruz. And I remember I was talking to him a bit about managing him. And I said, let me hit Jay. And I said, Jay, I really want to do this. And I want to be in sports. He said that he was building something in sports within the company. And we would talk and, you know, to give me that opportunity because he knew, you know, we played fantasy football together. He knew that I was a sports guy. We'd been friends. We had been working in together since Fade to Black. So from that, Gianni, I was able to get the opportunity to be into sports. And then the rest was history for me because then it was, there's no more, you know, there's, there's, there's no more chase now to like ultimately end up back around sports. And now I'm in it, you know, and that's, like I said, that's great leadership. And I was able now to like take some of the things I'd learned from, 
being a bookie, from working at onelevel.com, from working at Radical Media and music supervision and music management and DJ management and being around Amy Winehouse and all these people that inspired me in their own way. And now I'm working for this company in the sports business and, you know, and that was everything for me. So I'm taking all those principles and all those things I learned and all those experiences managing talent and now I'm around athletes I can speak the language of sports and I started asking a billion questions again like I did when I first started in music but now it was all coming together quicker for me um, and yeah now I'm in the sports business man to your point about people sometimes using their losing their entrepreneurialism when they're working at a company I think it's really important for employees to bring up to their employees, their colleagues, you know, what their true passions are in the workplace so that the whole work environment, you know, if an opportunity arises that they know who to put in position because they already know that that person's already interested in. So I think it's great that you hit Jay about that, Victor, because that has led you into what my next question is going to be. So you're at Rock Nation Sports and it just started and it's booming. How is it? Tell me about it. I mean, it was incredible. Um, it was incredible. Like, it was dream come true. And I had met Kevin Durant when I was, um, when Kevin was a rookie through Wale. I was managing Wale. They're both from D.C. and uh, from the D.C. area. And um, we'd gone to a Jay-Z concert, actually, Kevin and I. And what happened was, is, you know, it was just timing. So many things in life are timing. And we reached out to Kevin and you know obviously he had such respect and admiration for Jay-Z and for Rock Nation and the brand and knew so many of the guys and him and I had a long-standing kind of relationship through Wale and he came over and he was at a time in his life where he was looking for change and that's how things work you know you can do so much and put yourself in in the right position for something to happen but timing plays such a big part in it you know so um, you know, that obviously gave me, like, you don't get to work with Kevin Durant as your, like, first client in the sports business. Or right. Your first. You know, I was working with a handful of other great athletes at the time, um, all at the same time. Like, we all happened, signed a bunch of guys in the beginning. Were you a KD fan at the time? Yeah, yeah. I remember, <clears throat> I remember texting Jay once, um, or it was a group chat maybe with Jay and someone else, Vaughn, maybe about, like, yo, who are you picking uh, KD or Odin and I knew that I was saying KD and everyone was like KD we were like everyone knew like KD was just there was there's no way not to have been a fan of his game so like it was so dope that I had known him through LA and then just like so incredible that you know we were able to to have the opportunity to work with him at Rock Nation I actually was enjoying while, while you know working in all the sports I was working in football over there baseball a little bit I mean really it was involved in everything but what I realized ultimately was like you know I think everyone comes to a point like this when they're at a company um even you will one day hopefully Johnny but then hopefully we'll just become like some partners on some new insane venture right yep on the plus hospitality we'll be, chain we open up yeah exactly plus we'll be on like pod 755 by then or something but the, the journey can go so many different ways, but at one point, if you're at an organization and you feel like it's time to go on your own, that's a tough time 
tough period. Um, and you know, you got to make decisions based on like where you're at in your life. And if you feel like you're built for it and if you're wired for it, um, and, um, you know, and then that's kind of what ultimately, you know, led me to KD and to 35 ventures. And, um, you know, you'll see there's so many different people along the way, but the inspirations didn't come in like those textbook ways where like there was a coach, um, but even talking to you about it, it's pretty obvious that it was people like John Kamen and Kevin Durant and Jay-Z and Mark Ronson and, you know, Wale, people, talented people that believed enough in having me around them. Um, you know, and I think that was a skill set of mine, and I think that's important. And, and I think that's doesn't go as much said when <clears throat> talented people have the right mindset to pick the right people around them, you know that skill is not luck that skill when you see athletes and and actors and actresses and artists that have managers that they built like j-lo and benny medina uh and jay-z and his partners at Guy rock nation guile siri and madonna lebron and his whole crew you know rob palinka and i know kobe rest in peace you certain that's a gift like when people have a certain no doubt. person that they you know they realize is the right person for them to build something Yo, this just leads me into my next question so when it about this new journey that you are on 35 ventures that we're all on i'm over here at 35 two people when did you and kevin start first having the idea of teaming up and creating something together well i just i it was it wasn't an idea as much as wanting um to work together and also wanting to kind of be more open to do what we wanted to do and then that aligning, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and again, timing. And then from there, I think the smart thing that we did in building a business is that, and I had learned enough that you couldn't stop, start, stop, start, like throw out an idea and not even have a backup idea yet and expect to build a business. So we just kind of, we're sponges again and went to San Francisco and met people in Silicon Valley and learned about investing in technology and learned a bit about creating your own content through YouTube, which then sparked the idea to create more content. And, you know, we started 35 ventures four years ago. And the idea at that point was, like I said, just to build something that could last as long as we could, you know, be alive to build it, 35 ventures, and within that, do cool things. So we started investing in technology. We started creating content. We're building out the boardroom now in our podcast network, and we're still investing, and now more in private equity, and we have an investment in the MLS team. But it all happened in stages, you know, and then in a few years from now, hopefully the boardroom becomes some big sports platform and sports media platform, sports business platform, and and who knows? And we're working more on our docs and our scripted series. So it's like been more of an evolution. But what we both knew was that we wanted something that could be for us, you know, to build. And for me as his manager, something that he could pass on to his great grandkids, you know. So, Rich, between the podcasting, the strategic investments, the various production shows you have in development, is it all cohesively have your full attention or does one thing have more of your attention than the others is kevin involved in all the projects like yeah i mean kevin's involved in everything he really is you know as you know you see me 
talk to him all the time, but he really is. He knows everything going on. But he, we also have a perfect synergy of how to deliver him the information. What is it about your personalities or your tandem that allows you both to be successful? Um, no, I, I think it's not about that. I don't think that. I think that's more of a... Uh, I think those kind of things I've learned are more about trust. It's said a lot. It's cliche. But when you really, really, really trust someone implicitly, then all the other things like we can disagree on something creatively or he could tell me to go do something for him as his manager that I don't think he should do. But that doesn't matter because we trust each other implicitly. So I right. think that is more of what is the strong suit of our of our partnership. And I think, and and we should ask some of our next guests. I really want to do a pod with Jimmy and Dre one day. That's like my dream. We'd have to build to that. That would be amazing. But like to talk just about how deep that trust is, you know. And I know from Rock Nation how Jay and his partners, the trust and like the loyalty is, you know, and LeBron and, and Mav and Rich and... and um, Randy, PR, those it's like a deep trust. So for me, that's like, especially in this business. You know, you said working for Jay-Z makes you work harder. I work with you, work for you. I work, try to work as hard as I can. What's your approach towards leadership in general? Um, so I'm fortunate to now be in a position of leadership at a company. Um, I always feel like I've been a leader to friends of mine or to clients of mine. Um, and I think my leadership now is different because we are building a real team, a real unit here. But I am really, and I said this to you the other day, the one thing I'm really insistent on is I encourage people to work as hard as they can. It doesn't mean 24 hours a day. It means give it your all, like some old like you know, high school gym teacher, elementary school gym teacher thing. And your attitude has to be right and you got to be kind. And that's my new theory on this. Like people are trying to work in that environment. When I was younger, that energy was different in this business. It was different. And I don't know if that is um, advantageous anymore for people. And I think that I want to create an environment where people want to work for, for me and for our organization, work with me, and where they can continue to be entrepreneurial while delivering on the responsibilities. Um, and I want people to be honest because if they want to go somewhere and chase something else, I want them to be able to use me as a partner in that decision. Um, yeah, and when I was a manager before and I worked with talent, I think my leadership style was to listen and to to say, all right, let's go do it. Like, we can do this. And to be confident and optimistic because... I am on all this, and you know, I'm even amidst this world I'm in now. You know, I'm, you know, well, we laugh, and you know, you have to. It's real shit out here right now, but I'm, you know, you got to be able to have fun, and have a light attitude, and be kind, and then and then make sound decisions. Man, Rich, I love talking to you. I love working here. I'm having such a good time. Thank you, I, my brother. I don't brother. even know what else to say. No, I think this has been, man, listen, the, the, we started the boardroom to make this part of the sports world, the, the business, the culture around the sports and business, all of that point where it intersects. And that conversation 
to me, like we always talked about, was out of the office. And that came in deep talks like this sometimes, bro. That shit came like in deep talks like this. It came sometimes in interviews, you know, which really are meetings that we would take. Sometimes it's when KD comes and we're around athletes and people we're fortunate enough to be around. You know, so this to me was like, you know, this is this is what the what our pod is about, man. So, you know, next week I think we'll have another special guest on, but we'll do this again sometime. And man, it's good. I love when you ask questions, man, because that's how I am, you know. And I want to learn more yep. every day. So, bro, another good podcast, boardroom out of office. Thank you all for listening. If you're listening, if you tuned in, if not, thank you, Gianni. Man, thank you, Rich. Let's uh, let's do this again. Thanks, everybody.